0: A lot of people think culture is something you can put on a piece of paper and then you can say, this is our culture. But actually, culture is about living values and behaviors and purpose. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but opportunity is not. The
1: talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent,
0: is the individual.
1: The way we work has changed forever, and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Labby, Chief People Officer at TopTel. IBM has been developing industry-changing technology since its founding in 1911. Today, IBM is a leading provider of global hybrid cloud and AI and consulting expertise, helping clients in more than 175 countries. With a vast workforce of more than 285,000 employees, it's no surprise that IBM prioritizes employee happiness and they have the awards to prove it. They're ranked as one of Forbes' top 500 best companies for diversity in 2023. They scored 100% on the Human Rights Campaign's Corporate Equality Index, and we're awarded five stars on Newsweek's 2023 list of America's Greatest Workplaces for Diversity. Today's guest is Kitty Cheney reed IBM's Chief Leadership, Culture, and Inclusion Officer. In her role, Kitty leads a global team dedicated to creating an inclusive culture and workforce while responding to societal issues that impact IBM employees and the communities they live and work in. Kitty has more than 25 years of hands-on experience and a wide range of expertise in technology and business. She has been a consistent champion of workplace diversity in her career, earning the Georgia Diversity Council's 2015 Most Powerful and Influential Woman Award. Kitty is also an alumnus of the Distinguished Leadership Atlanta program, one of the oldest sustained community leadership programs in the country. She's also the executive sponsor of the Atlanta Global Women in IBM initiative and serves on IBM's Black Executive Council. I'm excited to hear more about her award-winning global strategy. Welcome, Kitty.
0: It's awesome to be here.
1: You have more than 25 years of experience in tech, with roles spanning everything to finance, to software to support, consulting, and more. So given your varied background, I'd love to hear what inspired you to work in culture and inclusion
0: it's very rare that you have an opportunity to do something for a living that aligns with both your passion and your skill. This is that type of opportunity for me. I've had the great fortune to be positioned to take a role within culture and inclusion, and not just culture and inclusion, but leadership development in general, with an iconic company that's probably a coveted opportunity for many. And for me, it was just me demonstrating a passion for the work as I was going about my other jobs. And then, you know, the planets aligned and there was an opportunity in this space and people thought of me because it's work I did very passionately um, before I even had the opportunity to work in the space. So For me, um, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. You started with
1: IBM as VP of Sales Transaction Support, which is very different from your current position. What initially drew you to IBM and what has your journey been like since you joined?
0: You know, it's been a wild ride and it's been an amazing ride. I started in 2017 as a vice president in our quote to cash space, also known as sales transaction support. So my team was a global team that supported all of our sales transactions for the Americas. So Canada, Latin America, and the US. I had about 2,600 employees and when I tell you, they were from all backgrounds and all cultures. I am not kidding. I probably spent 75% of my time during my first year on the road just meeting people from different countries, cultures, and really getting to know my team. So for me, that was taking my passion and my curiosity around diversity and inclusion to, to the next level. I'm on my fourth role. So right after that, I had an opportunity to, to run an organization that didn't exist before I created it. Uh, it was called Enterprise Operations. And we supported all of the sales cadence and business operations for the entire company. My mission was to really bring all of that together um, into a single organization, a centralized organization. That was a really hard job. It was 4,600 people from, you know, 100 and some odd countries all around the world. So having the opportunity to envision what it could look like and actually implement that vision was an amazing opportunity for me. Then after that, I had the opportunity to go into marketing as the chief operating officer. What an amazing learning journey. So I learned all about what it takes to drive and generate demand. And then I got lucky enough to have this job. And really, I think in this space, what it takes to be successful and what it takes to to really drive change is having a passion for people and for seeing the very best in people and the possibilities that lie within people when they work together, when they appreciate people's differences, and when they optimize the power of, of one IBM. And it's just been amazing for me.
1: So, Toptel is a global company. We're fully remote. We've never had an office. We have over twelve hundred employees, but we are in seventy five countries, and I have traveled to a lot of those countries. But it's very interesting when you approach all these things and you're so culturally diverse. I have all of my teammates read the culture map so that they can understand how to under you know talk yeah. to people or what's their priority in all these different parts of the world. So I think it's so interesting. so, How do you, knowing that you're in that, you know, you're all over the world as well, how do you approach culture for such a massive workforce?
0: So I think it's really first and foremost about being on the same page regarding what culture looks like or should look like as you're kind of curating the narrative around culture. I think a lot of people think culture is something you can put on a piece of paper and then you can say, this is our culture. But actually, culture is, is about living values and behaviors and purpose. So I think we've done a really good job here of having people focus and understand what our culture has become over the 112 years that we've been in existence. So being very clear about our purpose, which is to be the catalyst that makes the world work smarter. And then our values and our six growth behaviors. I think that's how culture comes to life. And really when I talk to people about culture and when I seek to understand whether we've we've made an impact in terms of fully developing our culture, that's the conversation I have. Do you understand our purpose? How does our purpose come to life for you? Do you understand our values? How do you show up every day demonstrating our values? Do you see our leaders showing up, demonstrating our growth behaviors. I think those are the things that help us in terms of cultivating our culture and demonstrating our culture. At the end of the day, the people are the culture. So recognizing that and and really just making certain that people have an environment where all of that can come to life is really important.
1: Speaking of culture, IBM has an award-winning culture of inclusion. So you've scored 100% on the Human Rights Campaign's Corporate Equity Index. Could mm-hmm. you share a little bit about the
0: DEI philosophy? Yeah, I think it's really simple. We, we really want to make IBM a place where people feel like they can show up as their authentic selves and feel like they belong and feel like they can do their best work here. And so we look to foster an environment that really nurtures that. And one of the things that I appreciate the most um, about this company is the people and just how focused they are on collaboration and, and really getting things done as a team. I think that's something that sets us apart. So for me, I think creating an environment where everybody can do their best work, regardless of their sex, their race, their national origin, their creed, uh, or any other dimension of their, their differentness. I think just fostering an environment where people can, can show up as themselves is what I'm most proud of about this company and our culture in terms of inclusivity.
1: Collaboration is one of our cultural attributes. Definitely can relate to that one.
0: Yeah, it's necessary. It's required to be successful, especially in a company as big as ours. Um, you know, we have two hundred eighty-eight thousand employees, and when I say within this company are very, there there are a number of small businesses and medium-sized businesses. Um, that's what I mean when I say collaboration is necessary because you have to be able to work across those those organizations, and functions to deliver an outcome. So if you're not a collaborator, you're not going to be successful here. Absolutely. As one
1: of the largest global research companies, IBM has to constantly come up with fresh ideas. How does a diverse workforce foster continuous innovation?
0: That's a really great question. I think first and foremost, it's about making sure you have a diverse workforce and that everybody feels like they can show up and contribute. So that to me is table stakes. But I think there's some things that we do specifically to ensure that we get the best ideas um, and we get the best out of people every single day. And one of them is promoting an agile culture. So we, we embrace agile principles and agile ways of working. And I think that that, delivers innovation on a scale that is, quite frankly, breathtaking. We have a rich history of encouraging innovation through patents. That is something that inspires folks within our company um, to innovate, is this approach around rewarding people who come up with great ideas. The last thing is Trying to create a culture where risk taking is rewarded, um, we've got work to do in the space. But I think every day we get better at encouraging people to fail fast. Again, that's an agile principle. But really encouraging failure through bold, you know, risk taking, and obviously failing fast and moving on if if the result is not good. But fostering that environment of psychological safety where people feel like they can take risk to really win at Big Bets. Another one of our things here is revealing
1: and challenging, you know, challenging each other to think the best, come up with the best
0: solution, challenging ideas. We have this um, this notion of healthy conflict. Oftentimes, people shy away from conflict or disagreement, but we believe that that's really one of the things that makes us unique is we create an environment where people can constructively challenge and we create healthy friction for better outcomes. So I totally agree with you on the challenging and revealing.
1: So everybody's talking about AI right now. <laughs> hot topic of the moment. Yes, it so is. I would love to hear your thoughts about whether AI will impact job opportunities in the future. And, and what are your thoughts on that?
0: Without a doubt, AI is going to impact work. Um, and let me tell you what I mean by that. So I believe, and I think in general, the concept that we apply when it comes to AI is that AI will definitely change work. AI will replace humans when it comes to redundant tasks. But guess what? That frees those folks up to do higher value work. Uh, not eliminating jobs necessarily, but really freeing people up to pursue work that is that only humans can do, um, that adds tremendous value to, to workflows. So I think that's a big shift that you'll see is the upskilling of resources and people that used to do, you know, mundane and, and robotic task um, and repetitive tasks. And the second trend I think is that you'll see people doing different types of work. So if you have AI agents, you're going to need someone to train the, you know, the the virtual agent. You're going to need someone to put in use cases or create use cases. I mean, we've seen that in HR here. We've created an HR bot, that is amazing. And that answers Probably ninety percent of the questions that we used to funnel to people, um, but those questions can now be answered by a live chat bot. But there are people behind the scenes, you know, scouring the the transcripts to see what questions don't get answered and what questions are more difficult or take more clicks to answer, and really perfecting that workflow to ensure that the chat bots work properly. So I think there are many opportunities for folks to skill up and to contribute in different ways than they have in the past. I think it goes back to one of our growth behaviors, which is to be growth-minded, to always be learning, to always be curious. Um, And I think opportunity is bound when it comes to AI and what AI will do for us in the future.
1: We were testing it today on some job Description
0: creation, mm-hmm. it's working really well. I think, I mean, we we have our own proprietary tools that we use to create chatbots and to do machine learning and to do generative AI. But of course, there's always going to be an opportunity for us to, to grow in that space. But I think the possibilities are endless in terms of how we can leverage AI. I'd like to talk more
1: about women in the tech landscape. Advancing the role of women in technology is a priority at TopTel, and we host women in tech events to elevate women in this space. IBM shares some similar priorities in that regard. So your company has been creating meaningful roles for women long before DEI was priority for the industry. How has this history of more women in meaningful roles affected the overall culture
0: at IBM? This is an interesting one for me. I I don't want to be general when I talk about women because we're all different, but I do think we bring something unique to the workplace. Um, You know, women are known to be more empathetic in some cases. Women are known to be just different thinkers. You know, we turn issues over differently. We solve problems differently for the same reasons that somebody from, you know, the Philippines might think about a problem different than somebody from the US. It's based on experiences. And so I think what we've seen is we've seen the benefits of that come to life um, when we look at female leadership and how female leaders show up. Um, and, And for me, that's encouraging. I'm not a fan of redesigning jobs for any particular constituency. But I am a fan of leveraging the strengths of people um, and making certain that they're aligned to work where their strengths can be utilized and optimized um, and really move the enterprise forward. And I think that's really how women have played a role within IBM. I think women show up differently. And so we've made room. we've um, we've been very deliberate about, improving our representation of women uh, at, at the very top of the funnel and all the way down to the bottom of the funnel in terms of, of, of jobs. So I think that's important. Um, and I think probably the most important piece of this is the message it sends to women inside and outside of IBM. And it's that message of possibility and promise and opportunity. And so I think that's, that's the way um, it's impacted our culture. And I know you have been
1: ranked on two of working mother magazines, top 10 lists. So one is best overall companies for working moms and a leading company for multicultural women. Mm -hmm. So what strategies does IBM use to help working moms? And what are the benefits that you've seen from delivering that support?
0: So I want to be clear about one thing, which is um, we don't just strive to make our our company a great place to work for women. We strive to make it a great place for everybody. And so in looking at how we do that, we've recognized that there's an opportunity to reinforce um, women and how women can be successful in life and in work. And so some of the things that we've done is we've looked at re-entry programs for women who start families and take a break from work. So we have you know, a program that actually shepherds them back into the workforce and enables them to kind of test the waters a bit and then come back into the workforce full time um, through very targeted roles and you know, a targeted program that that kind of outlines some things that that help women again to kind of balance both uh, work and family. The other thing we paid attention to for both men and women that are parenting is parental benefits. Um, you know, we, we offer, of course, maternity leave, but I think one of the other things that we've looked at is flexibility around work schedules and really how we allow women or enable women to come to work and be their full selves and not have to worry about what's happening at home, child care, daycare, extensions. And then some women and some people in general have um, to worry about aging parents. So really looking at how we support people through those points in their life, through extended care for aging parents. So those are some of the things we do. I could go on and on. There's a long list. But suffice it to say that we're, we're aware and we're responsive to the needs of all of our employees. And when you ask about women, I can, I can talk about our programs because we view them as a valuable part of our workforce. Yeah. I love the
1: reentry focus. I think that's, that's fabulous work.
0: Yeah, I think, um, and we do it, in areas where we know there's opportunity, like you know, a couple of years ago, we were very focused on data scientists and bringing people into data scientist type roles, you know, as a part of tech reentry. So it's 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 a living, breathing thing. Things change rapidly, and we try to keep pace with the changes in the industry. So you were talking a little bit about how you
1: offer trainings for these folks, and I know you have something called. Career Accelerator and Pathways programs. So can you tell me a little bit about those?
0: So Technical Pathways is a program that's really focused on helping women that are technical actually make it to, you know, through the pipeline, to progress through the pipeline. And so I want to say last year we had, or over the last three years, we've had probably 1,200 women go through the Pathways program. And of those, I would say, if I have the statistics right, about 80% of those women have moved into leadership roles as a result of going through our Pathways program. It's a program designed to focus on soft skills as well as technical skills and how they show up and how they can actually continue to progress as leaders. Uh, it's it's a multi-week program um, and it has many components to it. And again, it's a very successful program for us. And it's one that we're very proud of. Out of the two programs, this is the one that we've, we've spent the most time on recently talking about how we grow because there's a real shortage of women in the technical space. Could I
1: couldn't agree with you more. And at TopTel, we actually, we focus a lot on mentorship.
0: So Mm -hmm. for us,
1: it's crucial to helping leaders develop, and we have a strong mentorship matching program for our employees. What does your mentorship programs look like at IBM?
0: So here's what I would tell you is mentorship is part of our culture. So we have many programs across our business units for mentorship. But almost the first day you walk in the door, people begin to ask you, Um, If you're open to mentoring and they try and give you a network of people that you can pull on to become mentors, but more formally what's assigned to you out of the gate is a buddy right so not necessarily a mentor, they may become a mentor, but you have a buddy somebody who can help you kind of navigate IBM. And then a lot of those relationships, like I said, turn into buddy relationships. For example, when I started here six years ago, um, there was a a guy um, who was a peer to me that was my buddy. And very quickly, he turned into a mentor for me, um, somebody who I could go to with any question and ask for advice. And then he introduced me to other people who, in turn introduced me to other people. And so very quickly, I had kind of this network of mentorship that I think was invaluable to me being um, successful at IBM. When it, when you're a part of a company as big as IBM, you can't not have coaches, mentors, and sponsors. And um, and for us, it's just in the DNA. It's from the very first day you walk in the door. And then as you navigate into your spaces, um, you know, your, your particular function or your particular business unit, there are programs that are designed specifically to mentor you to be successful in your job.
1: Yeah, we have a, we call them top pals, which is like a buddy. Since we're a fully remote company, It's Mm -hmm. not like you can walk down the hall and kind of mimic what people are doing or see what the vibe is like. So for us, it's extremely important to have that person to ask random, you know, sometimes they might think they're basic questions, but at least someone to go to that's kind of a trusted ear to listen. It's like phoning a friend, right? It's a lifeline. (laughs) Yeah. Phone a friend. Yeah, absolutely. So as we start to wrap up, I have two more questions for you. The first one that I always ask is, I am an avid reader. So I love to ask my guests if there's any books that have positively impacted their leadership or things that you recommend to your team or others. Does anything come to mind for you?
0: So I'll tell you, instead of a book, I'll tell you um, a couple of authors that I love uh, because they've all written multiple books. Um, Okay. And so the first one is Simon Sinek. And I love him because he is this genuine, authentic leader that talks about servant leadership. And I am a student of servant leadership. And so um, Leaders Eat Last is is one of his books that I love. Um, And a concept that that I pull out of some of his other work is, you know, kind of asking the five whys I think he's amazing in terms of, of leadership. And then the other one is Brene Brown. I love the work that she's done on trust and vulnerability. And I think those are key tenets of servant leadership. So the two of them have a lot of space on my bookshelves, you know, just very inspirational and very
1: practical, right? Very practical. This has been a fantastic conversation. One more question for you. OK, like to wrap with what has been your proudest moment as a leader?
0: That's a tough one, but um, I think I have an answer. I had moved from my old house to closer to the office during COVID and my kids, my mom and I were all in Target. We were shopping and we all had on mask and um, somebody came around the corner They were pushing their buggy, their their small kid was on the front of the buggy and it was a guy. And he said, are you kidding? And I said, yeah. And he said, I just have to tell you how much I absolutely admire you as a leader. And he started to say why. He started to talk about something that we had to do as a team that was really, really very hard for us. Um, And how I handled it and how I convened all 4,600 of our people on an all all hands webcast. And I was just vulnerable about the fact that it was hard. It wasn't what I would choose to do but it was what we had to do Um, and all the reasons why. And that we were gonna do it with care and empathy and we were going to try and drive the best outcome we could for our people. And I remember feeling lousy after having that conversation with my team and hoping that I had done the right thing and that I had had been the right kind of leader for them. That conversation in target with that guy who recognized my voice and I had never seen in person um, just melted my heart. and. Um, it validated for me the value of caring for people and leading with care and empathy and vulnerability. That for me was a very proud moment, one that I probably will never forget. That's an amazing story.
1: So Kitty Cheney reed Chief Culture and Inclusion Officer at IBM, thank you for your time and insights today. It's been a really great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Michelle Labby. You can find much more information about the talent economy on staffing.com and toptel.com insights hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.